Thank you for tuning into this episode of Question This Life. You can listen to the podcast at questionthislife.com as well as all of the main podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and get involved. Video episodes are exclusively available at questionthislife.com. So, hello, how's it going? Whoever you are, wherever you are, I hope you're enjoying the content so far. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for listening to the show, being part of this community. I just want to introduce the next couple of episodes of the show. I had a good conversation with a friend of mine, Brendan. He's a fellow comedian. That's how we know each other. And we've had more than one occasion where we stayed up after the show, stayed up late and had a few beers, had some interesting conversations. We kind of get into it on the show that we we come from relatively similar uh, backgrounds in the sense that we both moved around a lot as we were when we were kids, and there was a lot of kind of like disruption into the timeline. It was a good conversation, and I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. I just want to say that I hope that the sound quality of this part is uh, good. Basically, I'm in the co-working space that I mentioned that I joined in the last episode. And I think I found a perfect little, um, a little hidden spot where I can record these episodes pretty effortlessly. It's definitely going to sound, I imagine, a little bit boxy. I have my uh, Tascam recorder speaking into a Rode lapel mic, and I've got some studio monitor headphones, and I can hear the slight boxiness. It's essentially like this room reminds me of. You know when you go to the airport and there's the smokers area? It's kind of like a glass box within the building. That's kind of like what what the room is where I'm in right now. It's obviously much smaller. It's and actually it's it's inside the booth. It's like a train seat, you know, the booth of a train seat with a table in the middle. There's a little TV which is awesome. Um uh the power cables obviously and the Wi-Fi is unbelievable. The upload speed is crazy, so um, I geek out in here and I love it. It's really cool and it's great because it's got this glass door so you can kind of see people walking around. You can kind of, you know, see the kind of hustle and bustle and at the same time have this little bit of separation and, and quiet and silence. So this room's definitely been soundproofed. Um, but it's not it's not the most conducive to perfect audio quality in the sense that if you wanted perfect audio quality, you'd have to really pad this room out a bit more. The ceiling is padded and obviously the chairs are padded, but there's a lot of exposed glass and exposed wood, which means that there's a little bit of reverberation and it's kind of bouncing around in here, the sound, the vibrations from my voice. So you might be able to hear my voice a couple times, uh, a little bit of a ringing, but hey, for the price that I'm paying and what benefits I get from being here. I think it's going to be okay for the podcast to be recorded in here occasionally. So, um, yeah, basically it's been a really good start. 
to my time here at this co-working space and um, I feel good, I feel productive, I'm doing lots and lots of cool stuff with uh, the freelance work, I'm getting more and more videos coming in, more and more projects and I've actually started collaborating with a good friend of mine, um, another guy from the, the comedy scene, cool dude, um, he's a native German speaker, so my sort of conversational level of German is enough to manage this but I'm I've started delivering some projects in German for the the scripts and the videos that I make um, that pay the bills and it's really cool to be able to kind of increase your output and uh, number of projects that come in number of income streams and it's great to have a, a native speaker who has a good business background and a kind of uh, very sort of clear storytelling way of uh, describing things and that's perfect for the kinds of animations that I'm scripting. That's really cool and uh, I want to say a little quick thing about the uh, podcast numbers, the stats, it's looking great. There's I'd say about 50 downloads now on the shows which is to me mind-blowing, it's really cool. That's awesome that 50 people or you know under 50 people but some number of people around 50 has uh, have listened to this and I hope that you guys have got a little bit of value out of it. I'm just putting myself out there. I'm keeping things as real as possible and introducing you to interesting characters in my life, the weird and wonderful ideas that I have. So yeah, it's really cool. It's really humbling. That's awesome. And uh, I hope that you keep enjoying the episodes. So we've got these two, um, it's the same conversation split into two for the next couple of episodes with Brendan. Got a couple of solo episodes coming up after that, which are already recorded, which I'm going to put together for you guys. And uh, yeah, keep tuning in. And I envision building a really uh, positive, chilled, relaxed place where ideas can be discussed and we can talk about the deeper things about life and meaning and consciousness and all these things. So Thanks very much, and if you're enjoying, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And now it's time to enjoy the next couple of episodes with my guest and friend, Brendan. Basically, um, I started this podcast, which is uh, called Question This Life, and it's all about having an open mind. It's essentially the way that my brain works is that I'm always like questioning things and looking for the deeper questions, the deeper answers, and those are the kind of conversations that I enjoy having. And I think you can find common ground with all people of all different walks, backgrounds. Um, and uh, yeah, essentially, I think we had a good chat that one time when we stayed back after a comedy show. I think we had a couple of beers and we were just talking about <laughs> life and like, you know, like leaving work and uh starting doing comedy and all that kind of stuff so um yeah basically that's that's kind of like all up my street is this this idea of becoming independent and doing your own thing and trying new stuff and um yeah so pretty much how have you been what's going on <laughs> oh man like um things are going pretty well um like we're what is it like oh, nearly four months into now and Mm -hmm. I had a couple of times where uh, things started to go sideways a little bit. Um, like, you know, humans are social animals. You know, we're, we're group creatures. That's what gives us the advantage over most other animals. Um, mm -hmm. That's why we are so successful. So we have this inbuilt inclination to be in a group or with your community. 
And, you know, I can go and be alone for like a week or two. Two is kind of pushing it, but like a week is generally okay. But um, seeing only like one or two people regularly out of like, I don't know, I've got a lot of friends. So it's been pretty hard. But the best thing actually about it recently has been that um, I actually started therapy about five months ago. And Congrats, um, man. Yeah, it's... I've, I've basically been talking it up to everybody because I would recommend it to everybody. Like, it's it's awesome. and um, But I think it took the lockdown being, you know, like, really mentally stressful to push me to do it. Like, basically, it was a straw that broke the camel's back. And um, through, like, five months of therapy and, like, counseling and stuff, I feel extremely optimistic about life. And, um, like for the first time in my life of like waking up most days and like wanting to get out of bed and be awake and live, you know what I mean? So it's like, wow, man, I, I feel that is awesome. Yeah. I feel like, uh, kind of like life has new meaning. And, um, I'm just telling everybody that I see, because I know everybody's struggling to, with something, you know, and the lockdown kind of, you know, the lockdown is, you know, the lid on the pressure cooker and, I think for a lot of people, you know, they're struggling with something and uh, it's now they're alone with their demons. So I'm trying to encourage people to uh, do, med- you know, counseling and meditation and stuff like that. Because even though yeah, this definitely. is... Yeah, go on. Go ahead. No, keep going. I was just going to say that even though that this is the most stressful, you know, the it should be under normal circumstances, the most stressful time of my life. It's actually one of the nicest because of a change of outlook so yeah it's great that's so great man i totally agree it all like depends on your outlook that's that that's the experience that you get back basically i I completely agree with that and uh what i was interested to know what kind of a therapy are you doing what sort of actual exercises what what school of thought are you following oh so um the guy that i uh who's my counselor we basically we talk through like, let's say if there was a traumatic event that I experienced and cause my major problem was anxiety and depression. Right. And the problem is, is that those two kind of feed each other because when you're anxious, you're constantly worried about what may happen or how things could, you know, uh, not work out or turn to shit or whatever. So, um, that's when the depression starts to come up because you think like, Oh, I don't want to get out of bed. It's 3 p.m. Ah, Jesus, like everything sucks and blah, blah, blah. So they start to feed each other, right? So they they kind of team up on you. Um, So the main problem I had was that I was constantly worried about when I had something good in my life, I was constantly worried about losing it. And when I had something bad happening, well, you know, bad or difficult or whatever, I was constantly worried about the situation getting worse. Mm-hmm. so you basically can't enjoy anything when you have this mindset and then you're just like <laughs> what the hell is the point of existence like I'm just suffering and you know it's just this endless loop of waking up and feeling terrible and then it just goes on and on and on for like months and months you have some breaks in the middle where things are kind of nice and then it goes back so um, what we actually do is we talk through like say a traumatic event talk through how i felt about it blah 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 and the main thing was that um 
I learned, like in, in life, it appears that suffering is inevitable, right? You're going to have to, like, it sounds like negative and gloomy, but it's, that's not a, what it means at all. What it is, is like, let's say you have dreams that you want to follow in your life. You're going to have to suffer to achieve those things because nothing comes cheap, right? Nothing comes for free. And on the other hand, if you don't follow your dreams and you just say, oh, I'll just get that nice secure job that my dad told me to do then you're going to suffer through that because every day you wake up and you there's that voice in your head saying you're not supposed to be doing this. Um, so once I became okay with the suffering, I was like, okay, this is inevitable. What value does the suffering have? What has it taught me? And then I, I recognized so many positive things that I have to contribute to everybody else around me and to you know society as a whole because of these negative, frightening experiences or whatever. So... I actually realized that in some ways um, these experiences were one of the best things that happened to me. Whereas with my whole life I was obsessed with like they were bad things and that I was kind of left less than everybody else because I got dealt like a shitty hand or whatever. So I constantly and that brings on more more problems because then you're like I don't want to have a victim mentality but you kind of do by default and then you start kind of losing respect for yourself because you're just like yeah, you know me 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 all the time so um, to see value in the suffering brings a whole lot of power like it's it was really like from one week to the next once I made this like this epiphany this realization that I was actually this this unique perspective I have on the world or um, these skills and powers that I've gained, they're some of the strongest attributes that I have. And then when I look at the lockdown, I think, well, you know, parts of it are difficult. I miss a lot of people and I miss the activities we did or the spontaneity of life or whatever. And I know those things will come back, but um, I just have to realize that the suffering we're going through right now has meaning. And there's going to be a point where I can put that meaning put that suffering to use and what I've learned and so the so, uh, the therapy is not about trying to fix yourself if you if I whenever I had that attitude oh I have to fix something about myself or there's something wrong or I have dysfunction or whatever you kind of get into this kind of I'm broken mentality and that doesn't help at all it's you need well I can't speak for everybody but from my perspective if it's more of a process of getting to know yourself and understanding your thought patterns and your, why you think the way you do or triggers or whatever, then it's um, it's a lot more neutral. It's not like, oh, there's something wrong with you, man. We've we got to fix this before you, you know, go play in traffic or something, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so that's, that's the therapy. That's cool, man. That's so great. That's awesome to hear. That's really cool. It's really uh, good to hear that, that things are going so well and that you've got so much benefit from it that's really awesome yeah i feel uh, i i i had this thought where i was like jesus is this how most people feel like just okay <laughs> you know like i think i think that's that's how most people think other people feel but i bet you in reality more people are are in the doubt self-doubt pity shame trauma vibe I bet you that's more rampant. I think so as well, because the more I talk to people about this, the more they're like, oh, Jesus, man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been having a rough time. Or, you know, you just you see people, uh, you see all the things that 
like people do, you know, like, um, like the consumerism, just buying a whole lot of things and trying to achieve status that way, or, um, you know, drugs and drinking and like, uh, all of these kind of dopamine, uh, fueling activities that you do to kind of take your mind off this, this hole you have in yourself or something, you know, I think a lot of people are doing that. You can see that in society. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's a lot of stuff that when you were talking that I was remembering, uh, I'm really into the uh, classic uh, literature and also like ancient wisdom, ancient texts. Obviously, like the, the, the classic is the Abrahamic stories, the Bible and all that stuff, looking at those as uh, pieces of literature, like kind of like archetypal stories to go on. And then there's all the all the Eastern philosophies and all the uh, super duper ancient stuff like the Sumerian stuff and we can go to, like back to the Greeks and the, the Stoics and all that stuff. And there's a lot of like parallels in what you're saying in the sense that there is this kind of like agreement amongst those texts and amongst those schools of thought that there there is a good way to operate in this existence. And the, the best way to do it is to find something that's meaningful and then just go all in and, and start telling the truth and be honest with yourself about how little you know about it and then just go in head first and don't look back and you can basically create like a, a, a life tunnel for you and the people around you sorry it's my cat in the background um for you and the <laughs> in, and the people around you and you can kind of just like fly through this tunnel and just keep learning and keep failing and keep picking up uh pieces this is something else i spoke on a, another episode is like this the bread breadcrumbs idea that like life presents you with these breadcrumbs and these little clues when you're doing the thing that that you're you're finding meaningful um so that's just like a kind of like self-perpetuating thing and it's all about just finding any way to to first of all identify what that that meaningful thing is that reduces the the suffering which they also all agree these ancient stories and these ancient uh, texts all agree that the essentially the main part of life is suffering that that is just what existence is it's like that there is no way there's no way there's no way around it you have to suffer everyone suffers and you can speak to anyone for about 10-15 minutes about their life and their experiences and you'll hear you'll hear things that are like harrowing to you that you're like wow i have no idea how you have lived with that and then you you tell them something and then they're like oh my god you, that happened to you when you were that age like that's wild I, I, like my stuff is nothing compared to your stuff and so it's kind of like every i think everyone just has this huge huge uh like archive of shit that they're dealing with and it's just there and it's all it's all about just becoming aware of it and kind of like uh working through it talking about it um and uh, yeah, man, it sounds like you're doing your own very own kind of like Jungian shadow journey work, which is cool. Yeah, I am. Um, I think the whole the suffering thing is really important because once you kind of learn that, OK, the suffering is going to be like the bread and butter of existence. Right. <laughs> you know, once I learned that, I also learned that I could pick my suffering. I was like, you know, so. I. I gained a lot of power from that because I was like, I'm choosing this. I'm, you know, I, I've chosen this thing that I'm doing or whatever, or this task. And you get a lot of power from that. If you, uh, it kind of stops you having this passive mentality where life's happening to me and, oh, it's, it's you know, 
I'm just this boat bobbing away in the sea, but it's not really like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you heard of the, the video game term, like non-playing character, NPC? So it's like, I, I subscribe to that idea that we are all uh, an individual consciousness and everyone has the potential to do awesome things in, within, within whatever framework they want to operate in. But there's not that many people who try to do new things and to try to put themselves out there for in doing whatever they, they want to do. So you have like a lot of people who don't know about that p- potential or like how to act on that potential. And then they kind of just like, like you said, bob around. And when, you, when you're in a video game, you're, you know, the, the, the shopkeeper. It's like a, a, thi- a person that you go and see and you buy things off them and so on. They're in the game. You, you give them some money, then, they, then you come back and then they're just in exactly the same place. They're doing the same thing. There's like no deeper um, uh, consideration behind them. And uh, I've definitely been that guy. I don't know about you. I've been I've been that guy for 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 a lot of my life. So that's why I feel comfortable talking about it. Not it's not it's not like a kind of looking down on uh, position. It's more like a kind of identifying that I have all of those qualities and more. And it and it, it sometimes does feel easier to to not get out of bed or not to do something. But you have to just kind of just get up and just do it. Just do whatever you need to do to start your day and just do another day towards your, your, your plan, your goals. That's basically, um, yeah, I find that super meaningful as well. Yeah, I also remember from video games, um, I remember back in the day I would play uh, Oblivion with my brother and, you know, I would, <laughs> I would get like, I'd smoke a joint and get like pretty faded and then play it in my, what I always loved to do was these these caves where these goblins are and sometimes they're really strong and sometimes they're pretty weak and you can kill them and take their stuff. So I would go down into this goblin cave and sneak around and stuff and try to kill as many as I could and take all their stuff. And sometimes the goblin shaman was just crazy strong and I would barely get out of the cave of my life. But I realized at the end of it, I'd stacked up a whole lot of experience points and I had gotten some loot, right? So now... <laughs> Now, I talked about this with my therapist and we developed this kind of strategy. But so now whenever I have um, uh, a situation in life where I feel like I'm going down the goblin cave and I maybe it's going to be easy loot and XP or maybe I'm going to completely get my ass kicked. What I, what I do now is I go, okay, wake up in the morning. Like, All right, man, get out of bed, put your clothes on. Uh, we're going down the goblin cave. We don't know what's going to happen, but we are going to get XP. That is guaranteed. You know, you might get loot, but you'll definitely get XP. You'll learn something. So just go and try and don't worry about winning or failure or losing or just get the XP. Just go down there, get the XP and get out alive. <laughs> so that's it. And you can apply that to, to so many situations, especially if you struggle with anxiety. So don't worry about being like getting a high score. Just get the XP, and XP is always, you'll always be in a better position after than before in terms of learning about existence. Totally, man. And what, what was it, uh, if you're comfortable talking about it, what was it that you would think in, when it comes in terms of like social anxiety, or was it social anxiety that you sp- spoke specifically about, or was it just general anxiety, kind of like dread? What, what, what is it, uh, like go into that a little bit more. Yeah, it was, um, it wasn't, I've never really had social anxiety. I've always been very socially capable, but I had it like, it's like 
I guess what you call generalized anxiety. So I never had got like a legit diagnosis, but when you, I mean, like when you feel it, like, you know, um, so I mean, how I would describe it is that it's this, again, this is another video game reference, but you know, when you go into a level, I saw this as like a tweet once, but you know how you go into a level sometimes and you see, you hear like the enemy music and it turns on and you expect the enemies to jump out. But when you have anxiety, they don't. So the whole time you're expecting things to go wrong. Um, like for me, childhood was a pretty difficult experience. Um, my dad has this like pretty um, extreme autoimmune disease. And so it, it nearly killed him a couple of times. And um, uh, we often had to move because when they were doing like restructuring or something at his job, he was, he was an electrician, right? And whenever he worked for a company, if they were doing restructuring or they were like getting rid of stuff, he would always be the first to go. So we had to move around a lot. And so I was used to having a massive, massive level of instability in my life. This was normal for me. So stability was not something I really got used to. Uh, I'm starting to develop it now, like as I'm around 31 years old, like this is when life started to kind of stabilize, but the whole time it's just been like this crazy adventure. Um, and so when you are moving around, like you're always like the new kid at school. Like I went to like six different schools before I was 12 or something. It was crazy. And so many parallels, man. I'm the same. I, I went to loads of different uh, schools for like a few years at a time um, because of my dad's job. So it's like a, there's a lot of like similarities there. Um, yeah. And the, the, interesting. I think also because we're comedians, so we're all going to be, all of us uh, are a little bit, you know, little bit cray cray maybe or <laughs> we've had some different experiences that aren't the normal bread and butter but so you know when you, when you move around a lot and you're always the new kid you have to develop pretty good social skills quickly and you have to be able to read situations and read people's behavior and I didn't I wasn't that good at it until I was till a, until I was about 13 or 14 but before that you know like some days I went to school and I would uh kids would try to pick on me and stuff and I would just have to fight them and this became pretty normal so um and I it usually either goes to to fighting or to like the kid you become the kid who locks himself in the in the room alone or like just runs away or whatever it's very it's, it's very very well I don't know in my experience anyway I find it hard to pick the middle ground and just to like have a conversation and to diffuse or to kind of like, you know, just put myself out there and say like, what's going on? Da, da, da. I would much prefer to, like you said, uh, go wild, go crazy and just scrap or the other one, which is like ret retreat, retract, hide, uh, live in fear, like, oh my God, like turning a corner and then like wondering who's going to be around the other side, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And you, you realize you're constantly in this fight or flight uh, state of mind like it's constantly there and I was reading that the, uh, the the more often you're in that state of mind and over a long period of time particularly through childhood it can change the way your brain develops in terms of seeing like legitimate like I don't know threats or um, potential problems in your life so you start to see like 
tigers in every shadow. Uh, and it could be anything. But I had these strange situations where um, I have, uh, like, a mainly I have a deep distrust of authority because I had a lot of frightening experiences with authority as a child. But I have these moments, and I talked to my therapist about this, which was really interesting. I've had times in my life when I've been traveling where there was this one time this guy was like, he was like high on meth and like extremely paranoid at this hostel that I was staying at when I was traveling. And um, he pulled out a knife one day and threatened to stab me to death, right? And the interesting thing is, is that I remember being in that situation and I wasn't panicking and I wasn't that like, um, you know, I, I wasn't like freaking out being like, oh my God, how do I deal with this? Because I'd seen like a reasonable amount of violence in my life and I, I, I learned to kind of manage like the adrenaline and stuff like that. And I also did martial arts for a few years. But, and there, are another, there were other situations like about six months ago, a guy approached me in the street and he was hard, having a heart attack. And he couldn't speak German or English. He was like Polish. He's this uh, homeless guy, right? So I was like, I stopped the lady and I got her to call the ambulance because I like my German's pretty decent, but in a situation like that, I don't want to tell them the wrong thing. And um, we dealt with it and I wasn't panicking in that situation. So I, I can go through extreme situations. Like another time this guy was threatening this woman in the street and I like, I, uh, you know, impolitely told him to, you know, like leave. <laughs> and then he threatened to cut my head off. He was like, I'm going to kill you, all this type of stuff. And then... Like, I had this other experience where I got a letter from the finansant, right? And I just saw finansant, and I immediately, the fight or flight situation, uh, mode just triggered, and I was like, what the hell is happening? I'm legit freaking out. Like, the adrenaline's rushing. I, I think that I'm in some kind of trouble, even though, like, I'm not, because like, it just opened it. You know, it was a mundane letter that just tells you something you already know. And... Yeah. It's, uh, it's always worse when the words are German and they're super long. And, and you're just like plugging the holes anyway and I'm just like oh my god I know that that means pay and that means uh, a delay and da 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 and then actually what it means is you're getting 10 bucks back or something but just the way it's written those letters man sometimes you, you just don't know what it says <laughs> yeah and I what I find interesting was that it, 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 everybody in, interprets reality in different ways I was also, I had to get a blood test for this job that I'm doing. And I hate needles with a passion. They're the most disgusting, sinister. If I see like a hypodermic needle by the U-Bahn or something, I'm straight like retching right there. They just, they're my kryptonite in every sense of the word, right? Anyway, so she was, stick this needle on my arm to drain the blood out. And I was, I just hated, man. I was like wriggling around. I couldn't sit still. And she was asking me all these questions. And um, I was like, you know, I was like, oh, I hate this. And she was like, oh, in German, she said, like, were you treated badly as a child? Like, did you have a bad experience with needles? And I was like, well, can you tell jokes in front of 200 people? Like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody has, like, their kryptonite, you know? So this is this interesting thing that you can't compare one person's experience or one person's boundaries to another. Like it's always different. People are always different. Definitely. And so, so something to kind of build on that, that I've been thinking of is 
I think I used to place more like too much uh, uh, emphasis on what someone's facial expression is and what their outer shell is uh, when I was younger. I remember I would make assumptions based on what someone looks like or what they what, what vibe they're giving off outwardly, thinking that everyone else kind of has it all figured out and you're kind of just, uh, you're the one that's like in your head kind of like, oh, like, you know, what, uh, who am I asking these kind of like deeper questions but what I've actually come to realize is like we've said a few times in this conversation is everyone has their own stuff going on and everyone might seem to know what they're doing and people seem to th like look like they're they know what they're doing but a lot of people are just kind of just going with it every day a lot of people are living with like some really bad issues and even the people who aren't still have their own kryptonites still have their own problems they've definitely got some kind of a family problem they've definitely got some kind of a upbringing problem even if it was that they were too sheltered it could be like the other way around it could be like a, a thing that's perceived to be good that's been done too much or or they've you know had the classic like terrible upbringing broken home that kind of situation um and uh yeah it's but you you basically you can't make any assumptions about anyone based on uh, until you actually have a long long form conversation with them kind of like looking into the white of their eyes. Um, and uh, yeah, man, there's a couple of things that you spoke about. Uh, we've kind of talked about the, the game, uh, video game uh, analogy a few times. Now, I don't know how open-minded you are to this kind of stuff, but how, how do you feel about like simulation theory and the, 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 the school of thought that this is actually a game, that we are playing a video game? And there's evidence to suggest that you can like manipulate it by doing certain things. Obviously, the principles of karma and um, you know uh, reality tunnels and all that kind of stuff, um, dimension hopping. All of that is kind of like playing on the fact that this is some some form of a created game, essentially. How do you feel about that? I mean, I haven't thought about it that much, but it has crossed my mind a few times and. I, oh man, I've talked to a lot of people who are quite successful in their life and they have this law of attraction thing that they talk about. And I think maybe the ones I've talked to about it who found it were effective, well, found it was an effective like method or whatever, maybe they were affected by like survivorship bias or something. Um, or see other people who, were trying um, the law of attraction, you know, basically to crack the game, to manipulate the game into giving you what you want. Um, maybe other people had tried it and it didn't work, but maybe they just weren't, you know, doing it right, you know. Um, so I think there is, it, I've had these, I don't know, man. I guess I mean sort of like more in like your specific life and your uh, experience. Uh, from the sounds of what you were saying, it sounded like you had made kind of a change in your inner uh, inner perspective, your like inner monologue, and that's now kind of like influencing what's going on around you. So it's almost like it, it just sounded to me a ver like very similar to this this uh, this kind of like way of thinking that that you know it all does kind of come from within, and you can kind of like re re fragment the outside surroundings well i've had i had okay i was looking back on my life 
and I've had these moments where I've really wanted a, a result, the type of result, or I wanted something to happen. So, for example, when I was 22, I went to Australia, and my intention was to find the person who would help me change my life forever and get me out of New Zealand and, and save me from the depressing existence of like uh, White House picket fence, two kids in this boring town, the suicide inducing town basically. So this, I thought about this and I visualized this time and time and time again. And then one day I went to Cambodia with a friend and we were there for like three weeks or whatever. And then we came back. When I came back, I stayed in a hostel in Darwin, which is like North, North Australia. And I was in an eight bed dorm and the guy on the bunk bed below me was this guy from Berlin. And we instantly became friends. And then he invited me to Berlin and it escalated to the point where I'm like living here now, doing comedy, doing this, this and that and the other. But so the point I want to make is that I've had that experience over and over and over again where I basically tell the universe or whatever that I believe that this result will happen and I'm heading towards it and I'm not saying I want this, I'm saying this is this is the next part of my story or whatever and then it's, it's weird man and it sounds like bullshit but it happens over and over again and when I don't believe in it, nothing happens. So I really do think that you're there's probably some really complex explanation for it but i think when i act as if something is already happening i'm giving the vibe to other people that i'm the guy that has that already i'm not seeking something i already have something it's you know it's kind of like trying to be confident rather than just being confident Thank you for tuning into this episode of Question This Life. You can listen to the podcast at questionthislife.com, as well as all of the main podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and get involved. Video episodes are exclusively available at questionthislife.com.